Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, and welcome to episode 166 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Harjit Johal. And we're bringing you what could actually be our last ever post game podcast. Yeah. And what a way to go out. It is. I mean, Whitecaps win, score four goals. Check. Lift the Cascadia Cup for a record-breaking sixth time. Check. Knock Portland out through MLS playoffs. Big check. And just have everyone going home for a very long off-season with a spring in their step. And just, a cock-a-hoop? Yeah, I, I've had a lot of coffee. I'm, I'm cock-a-hoop. Cock-a-hoop. Har, how are you feeling then after that game? I'm feeling really cold and really hungry. I'm glad <laughs> that the Caps won because it gives them... A nice smile on their face when we talked to them after the game. And it was a good way to, to end the season on a high note with the Cascadia Cup and then sticking it to the rivals. So it was a good showing for everyone around today. Of course, it, it did lead to the, the question everyone wanted to know. Where the hell has that team been all year? Yeah, and we I put up a poll and we'll talk about that. We'll let people have time more to vote. We got 104 votes in. Uh, but so far, that, that was the main question at the end of the game. Where was that all year long? It's something that Robo addressed. So let's yeah. just hear Robo's thoughts on that now. This performance absolutely drives me mad. And people say, oh, you're delighted. No, it drives me mad because I know we've got the players to do it, but we haven't done it on a consistent basis. Why? I don't know. You know, I'm going to have to strip down things what we've done throughout the year, when we've done it, who I've played, what games, who's been successful, who hasn't, who stepped up, who hasn't. And I'll do that openly and honestly, you know, with my coaches and then obviously with my staff, players as well. Football's a tough game. You know, it's, uh, you have to be open and honest, but you have to tell some harsh truths. And I, I don't know why, if I did, and when I find out, because I'm going to get to the bottom of it, because I don't want to be sitting here next year saying the same things to you, like a broken record. I want to be in the playoffs next year, and that's our challenge, as will 22 other teams. But said we finished on a high today, but you know I'm not fooled by the 34 games that we didn't win enough games. And uh, as Robo said, they are he doesn't know. Yeah, <laughs> which is a bit slightly worrying uh, thing. But no, but the thing is, if he if he knew how to how, where that came from, I, I'm assuming he would have done that all year oh, long. Yeah. He assumed that they would be bringing that all year long. Yeah, well they were fired up, yeah. and right from kickoff. This was a Whitecaps team that they were up for it. They got the early goal, which they wanted, 13th minute. Your good friend, Giles the Hugger Barnes. His first goal as a Whitecaps, yeah. first two goals as a Whitecaps. Yeah. Flaming screamer that it was. Uh, edge of the box, top corner, 1-0 Whitecaps. No looking back after that. Yeah, nice setup by Fraser Aird, who got it back to him. And he did not... He just kind of like just it, it was I don't know if it was a screamer, but he really placed it in the right spot where Jake Gleason was not going to get it right. I, in the top I was corner. screaming. No, you were screaming. Yes, but yeah, perfect shot, and and that's what we need. That's what they needed from him right from when he came over. It would have been nice if a few more went in like that before. And it's something we haven't seen much from Barnes when he's been here in Vancouver. We know his talent. He's done it at Houston. He, he's disappointed me. I personally wouldn't bring him back next year, 
But those two goals today, his overall performance, is this the kind of Giles Barnes that we could see in 2017, Har, if we bring him back? I think it's a, a part of Giles Barnes we could see in 2017, how regularly and how consistent we do see that display from Giles Barnes. I think the jury is still out in terms of that regard. He had a good showing today, two goals, as you mentioned. He was by far the best player on the pitch, but I don't know if he can bring it every day, and I don't know that the Whitecaps players can do that, as we've seen throughout the season. Yeah, but also the question is, do we need to see it from him every day next year if they are going to bring in that high-end striker and they bring in that dynamic number 10? Yeah, Um, because he's making... He will be be more of a supporting player at that point, not that the... The player they needed this year, which was they needed somebody to pot some goals yeah. in. He's making 750k this year, so he's I, like, I, he I, better I, be bringing it next year I, for I, that I kind of salary. Totally understand that, but the, what I'm saying is that if they bring in like if they, they're expected Rivero to be that guy this year, and they expected Pedro Morales to be that guy, those guys didn't show up. So if they bring in somebody that can do that next year, Barnes just has to be a good solid player and pot a goal every three games or something like well, that. Well, he has to be a good solid player then that is severely bought down. Yeah, no, that, that's now, for he, sure. He still has one year of his contract to go and that one year of his contract is at that 750. Yeah. So That would be the big question of whether they yeah. bring him back. I mean, Robbo basically is going to have to renegotiate a few of these guaranteed contracts if he wants to bring everyone back, Yeah. meet the cap and bring in the two designated players that he's looking to bring in. Of course, one of the designated players that could be on the way out, poor Pedro. Yeah. He's had a Nobody's, bad season. I don't think anybody's voting for Pedro now. No. But, finished with a bang. Got his guns out. Yeah. He, he loves taking his top off yeah. when he scores. It's a good job he hasn't scored more because he'd get way more bookings and suspensions. But he was That happy. might have helped the Caps this year. Yeah, maybe. He was happy when he, he popped that in. And what a beauty... It just shows the kind of player that Pedro Morales is and what he's capable of. And when he's playing near the net too, that's the big thing. After the uh, dust-up at training this week with David Alster, I think Pedro was just full of emotion when he scored that goal. He was just happy to show the fans that he still cares and his teammates that he still brings it and wants to score and do well. So it was a huge uh, relief of emotion from Pedro and, and very happy to see him score goals because when he is on his game he is really good but at his age with his injuries he's just not shown it consistently this season yeah and or was it that he was happy that he scored a goal so the team that maybe he more teams will be scouting him when he tries to get a contract with somebody else next year let's talk about his his the other part of his celebration apart from getting his top off he was pointing his head kind of like I'm doing the visual demonstration, which is always good for for podcasts. But he's like tapping his head, the kind of thing that you do to say, "I know, I know, I knew all along that I w- I could do this." Yeah. Or to say that he hasn't checked out. Oh, oh that could be too. That, we were trying to work out what it could have meant, and I think you might be spot on there. I, I haven't am. checked out. So if he hasn't checked out, where has that Pedro Morales been all season? He's been stuck in playing holding midfield next to Laba. All year long, not going up forward and not doing anything up forward. But that's what it was today. Yeah. No, but this time he was venturing forward yeah. and attacking positions. He intercepted the ball really well. The ball, the ball was cleared. It was a nice move in by I think it was Bolognese that made the run into the box. They tried to clear it. He intercepted it right in the right spot, took it into the box and just cleared right past the Gleason. Gleason had no chance on that one either. I mean, I think it's like 99% certain yeah. that Pedro is not coming back next season. No, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think, think almost everybody either. has that on there. If you bought his salary down from $1.7 to maybe two or 300000 I'd welcome him back. I if don't he, think if he, he did that, that then I think I'm pointing at his head for the fact that he's like insane. My only issue is that is that he would have to be on the bench because you're obviously bringing that DP in there. And then, um, or he'd be a holding midfielder. And the problem there is, then again, you're having the same problems where the back line is going to be exposed again. So I don't yeah. know if it'd be worth it at that point. And if they get off to a bad start next season, do you want Pedro still lingering about with the yeah. fans and the media getting on him? I think it's addition by subtraction at that, this point yeah. with him. And let's talk about the bust-up that they had during the week. Maybe Usted should have done it a little bit earlier. Yeah. And That's the only criticism I have of Usted on that, on that thing. That's what David's been saying <laughs> yeah. all week. He said it tonight and he said it on Wednesday that, you know, it's partly my blame that I should have been doing this earlier. 
And yeah, but it's not just up to him. It's like the other guys as well. And it's like I think Har and me were the only media that actually witnessed what what took place. Everyone else was having their their skinny lattes and uh, and arriving late. And it, it, the whole bust up was just bizarre to watch play out. And like everyone knows about it now. But quick recap: Pedro went down, kind of holding his legs. He's been banged up the whole season. That's part of the reason that he's not played well. He's all taped up as well. He's like sitting down after a scrimmage. David comes flying out of his goal. And he's like, have you checked out? Called him lazy as well. And told him that if he's injured, he should get off the pitch. Which is fair. Yeah. And if he'd checked out, he should get off the pitch. Pedro didn't really say much back at that yeah. point. He was just his usual quiet self. And I thought, thought that, that was, was the it. end yeah. of that. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was over. Then, then Pedro gets up and he's just walking. And then all of a sudden, one of the cat staff are like, uh-oh. And I looked, and Pedro's heading straight for David, pushing. I, I kind of thought there was like flailing arms, but when you see the video from the other angle, they definitely pushed. But the flailing arms was just because Parker shoved him out of the way, so yeah, that's why Giles, the arms. Yeah. That's why the arms were flailing. But then the best bit ever, Eisted saying, Eisted didn't really want part of it. And he's like, if you want to fight on a football pitch. How about you fight on a bleeping Saturday? Yeah. That's gold, Jerry. I mean, that, that could be my quote <laughs> of the season and the end of season at AFTN, Paul. I think that, that might, would might, be... might knock Kendall Watson's Barbie one off because yeah. that, that was what was in the league. Oh, the, yeah. You know what? That thing fits a lot of players, not, not just Pedro, too. That fits a lot of players this season. So that could be the quote of the year for the mm. Whitecaps. And just the way that played out, you wondered how both players would be. Would they both start? I had a sneaking feeling Pedro may have started on the bench. Yeah. But... Maybe he fought for the spot. He, he was kind of invisible in the first half. Yeah. I do have to say, it's like I hardly noticed he was on the pitch. But I don't think any media has probably spoken to Pedro more this year than Har. Thank you. It's like, Har, Har just likes to pester him, I think. Um, but he always has time to speak to you. Apart from on Wednesday, where he wanted to speak to you until your first question was about the bus stop, then he walked away. Yeah, he but was wondering why I wanted to ask him about that. How... <laughs> surprise. I know, that is, it was like bizarre. He's like, oh, you want to ask me about... Why, why? <laughs> how, how would you sum up how Pedro's been this year? I think he started off with a bang when he had the proper health this season. He scored, I believe it was six goals before the end of May, and then he had that summer swoon, four months with no goals in MLS play. Hot and cold, really. I just think the injuries in the football mileage has caught up to him, and you can't del- deliver a consistently at a DP and a high salary. He's a good role player, but not to be your go-to counter-don kind of guy. Everyone wants to know, where was that 2014 Pedro? Where did he go? No, for me, I, I, I know he had injuries, but I, I think more of it was like, a lot of the goals he scored was from penalty uh, kicks. I think yeah. the majority six of that. out of nine from yeah. the penalty spot this year. So that's that's just Even the big, yeah, his first season as well. A big chunk of them. That, that's just being designated. My my problem with him is he didn't really provide any service. Uh, as he had a, a spot here and there, a pass here and there in a game where he would provide a great pass, but most of his passes were off. Um, he wasn't putting the attackers in the right position. And like I said, because he was playing a hold, holding midfield spot, he wasn't able to get him because he was. It, injured or tired or lazy whatever it was he wasn't able to be that box-to-box guy they needed so Matias had to be that guy to go there and then when Matias went up a back line there's no no shield in the, for the back line and then that's where all the goals got uh, went in the other way now with with Pedro he's clearly a talent and I don't know like his play this is probably just complete coincidence but his play went downhill as soon as he was made captain. And I don't think he should ever have been made captain. He is not a captain. He's too quiet on the pitch. Some to... folk like to let they're talking on the pitch with their feet, and he's yeah. one of them. We need a vocal guy, an Ousted, a David Edgar, a new person that's Washington. coming in. A, a Barry Robson yeah. kind of guy. He'd be an, a, a, been an awesome captain just swearing at folk. And... Barry Robson and Ousted in the same team, that would have... That would have been yeah, interesting conversations longer, that would have been pitch. just fantastic. But do you feel that him being the captain just put that did put that added pressure on him? No, I don't think so. I think he. I don't. I, while he was the captain, I don't think he really uh, was the, like. If you want to say captain, we, we don't know what happened in the back in the locker rooms. We don't know what happened there. I didn't see much leadership from him on the training pitch. Um, also, he didn't. 
deal with him. Like you guys said earlier, they, he didn't talk very much with the media this year. And he never really did that in previous years either. Um, he had once in a while where he had a translator, he would talk a little yeah. bit. But overall, I don't think... He doesn't I don't trust think, the media and he doesn't like speaking to us. I, I, I don't think he had pressure because I don't think he really accepted the role. So if you don't yeah. accept the role, you really don't have the pressure. Now, the last thing I want to talk about the bus stop is something which I find very interesting. In the past, there's been lots of bus stops at Whitecaps training, mainly involving Omar Salgado. But other ones... Long 10. That was my favourite yeah. one. There's been other ones as well. And whenever they've happened, they've been played down. This time, though, the Caps were all over it, showing video footage which you would never have seen before all over social media, talking about it, playing the interviews. Although they did one, they did cut the first two questions out when they, they played the scrum on Wednesday. But do you think this is a deliberate by the White Caps to show that this happened, partly deliberate to show that the players care and they're passionate, but also to see what the fans' reaction was going to be about Pedro and if it was a negative reaction, which on the whole it was, because most folks seem to have been with Usted, it makes it easier then for them to shift him at the end of the year. There's not going to be an outrage that you're losing your captain and your DP player because folk will be like, yeah, I'm glad he's going. He's a disruptive influence. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I was quite surprised to see any footage of the altercation in uh, the preview story from training, and that, that only really showed Pedro being aggressive. Yeah, they never it showed the showed, first bit. It didn't show Elstead's bit, so I think it kind of makes it look like it's a lot easier if they move on from Pedro if after showing this and kind of uh, playing it up a little bit, if you will. Yeah, I think it was probably a gauge, a gauge to see where the fans stood. Um, and it was clear, obviously, like you said, they stood with Elstead in that. Um, I, I think it's also the maybe um, when the release does come, it maybe softens the blow because they could show that this this is one of the reasons why another maybe the final straw in, in Pedro Morales leaving. Pedro's goal put the White Cats three 0 up. At that point, that was the three goals that they needed to to win the Cascadia Cup. Yeah. Seconds after that, just less I mean, than just, a minute and a half. Yeah, they're, they're doing. They're still announcing on the on the tannoy like who scored. Nicolas Mosquita gets the ball. Great pass by Bologna, yeah. right over the top. Buries that, 4-0, yeah. Caps are coasting. And like when you headed into this game, in your wildest dreams, you thought maybe the Caps could get a three-goal victory. But to go four goals up yeah. against a team that, that is was, fighting for the playoff lives, yeah. this team hasn't scored like this or played like this all season, really. Even when they were getting wins, they weren't... Like being fantastic and putting the ball in the net, squeaking by. You didn't think that this was going to happen, but I mean, to do this on an occasion like this, was it just that they were super fired up, or how much of this do you put on Portland? Afterwards, Caleb Porter said that he felt his defence had holes all over the place. Yeah, they were nervous or something. Yeah, he, he said they were really nervy in the opening minutes. Well, holes all over the place. His depth players didn't step up. Basically, he threw everyone under the bus at, yeah. at the end. Of, we'll, we'll play of, some of that later of on. That game, yeah, and. How much of it do you put that the Caps have fired up? And how much of it do you put on Portland not playing well? I think that what it was, was I think, the, I think, I think number one, Caps were obviously fired up because of what happened on the, on the training pitch. That helped. And then they knew that they could kind of give the fans a good send-off. I think Rob will really probably put that into play. And then I also think they saw that the fact that they didn't have to deal with Borchers and they didn't have to deal with Ridgewell in the middle of their defense. And obviously Chara as well. That's the third guy. So th- that triangle, that that you don't have to deal with that. You can you can take more liberties and attack more. And you think of all the all the positions, the um the f- especially the first goal, Barnes. Barnes' goal that was where Chara would be, and there was nobody there. He had a free shot. So that I think that that was really what set the tone. And I think after that, the Portland defense really cracked in. They even made it, uh, remember in the second half they made a substitution for one of their defenders. Just because, they, like you were saying, they were trying to save face and not get up to the 5 nil, so they'd have to see your tweet. <laughs> I was all poised with what time is it in Portland. They pulled one back, and it was 4-1, 18 minutes to go. Clear penalty. I mean, yeah. J- Jordan Harvey just mistimed his tackle, went down, Valeri buried it. 4-1. At that point, I'll admit it. I was shitting myself. I thought I've never seen you this nervous all year long. I just want I wanted this I wanted I wanted this to finish with a double. Yeah, a double. I was wanting to ask Carol that, but his thing had gone on for a bit. It's like we finished with a double. 
We've, actually, we finished with the, the treble. Yeah. We've got the number one seed in Champions League. We've yeah. knocked Portland out the playoffs and we've won the Cascadia Cup. That's the treble as far as I'm concerned. For, for this year, at least. Yeah. So they were really pushing hard, but they, you didn't, in the past, and with the way that the Whitecaps defence has played this year, you'd have expected them to crumble, give up another goal, lose 4-2. Void your cup. In, in some ways, it would have been hilarious to see Portland so disappointed at getting knocked out of the playoffs, but having to lift the Cascadia <laughs> Cup in front of their fans. Mixed emotions going on there. Yeah. And the only time I was really bricking it was in the final seconds when that ball came right on top of Usted and he had to tip it over his crossbar. Yeah. It was like shades of the Voyagers Cup all over again with five cents to go, bang. Yeah. But they did well, they held on, they won the cup. It was fantastic all round. Before we cover any more ab- about this, let's just hear a little bit now from some sad timbers. Let's hear from sad Caleb Porter. Sad Fernando Addy. A defined one too. Yeah. Very much like scruffy pigs to look at. And they've got big knobbly warts and lumps all over their long hairy faces. They are very, very ugly. Disappointing. Obviously this game, uh, the performance um, was not good enough. Um, Defensively, we leaked goals. Obviously, without Ridgewell and Chara, you could see we were missing some quality. Um, but that's where your depth needs to step up, and uh, they didn't. You know, we had some guys that had really poor performances, and uh, you, you can't win when you get that. And uh, we got that across the board. But but for me, it's the defensive side where I was most disappointed um, because. Like I said, it just felt like we bled goals. You know, every time Vancouver's in around, it seemed to be in the back of the net. And yeah, there's got there has to be some uh, long, hard uh, discussions, reflection on what went wrong. Um, you know, it's a combination of things. Um, you know, but for me, there were holes in the team all year. Some of those holes started with cap-related issues. Um, some of those holes were compounded with injuries. We put pressure on now the bench to perform. Um, but we, we dealt with holes all season long in the squad. And, you know, those holes led to inconsistent lineups, uh, lack of continuity, which meant inconsistency in performance and chemistry. And, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to correct that now. <laughs> and, the, and the, you know, the, the real challenge now is to correct that, right? You, you immediately look at recruitment and new players, um, which then leads to more, uh, perhaps, uh, uh, chemistry issues. And so I think we have to be smart in looking at the roster. We, we do have a, still a very good core group of guys. Um, but there'll definitely be some players that were on the fringe of being starters and, and guys that were on the bench that we're going to need to look long and hard at and make some tough decisions on um, because that's, for me, where we, where we fell short. Um, um, it's, a, it's a tough lose, you know. Uh, a lot of things went wrong. Uh, we came in and uh, we got a, a very silly early goal, and uh, I think uh, that goal uh, changed the whole situation. Uh, the mentality of the guys had to just went down. but. Um, you know, I think uh, the season has been really up and down for us, and uh, it's sad uh, it ended like this. But, um, but what can I say? I mean, the season is over for us. We just have to uh, sit down together and figure out what's going to happen next season. Obviously, for us, uh, we came here to try to win. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough because, uh, of course, they were not just going to come out and uh, give us the game. Uh, but we didn't know where the outcome was going to be like this. Uh, of course, it was a very, this is a very disappointing one. Uh, I said the early, the two early goals uh, really changed the game for us, and uh, you know, I think, uh, of course, the red card again and the referee. You know, uh, he gave a, a really lot of uh, silly calls today. But uh, uh, for us, uh, it was a sad one. Uh, we just have to look forward to the next uh, season. So it's always lovely to hear sad timbers, and I, I was kind of disappointed. I wanted Caleb Porter to be fuming, steam coming out of his ears. And he was actually very sedate. And 
Maybe he took something before the press I was, conference. I was very <laughs> impressed by him in that press conference, actually. Yeah. He handled it really well. It was like nine minutes and three questions. The first question went on for five minutes. Where he basically I, covered oh. the whole year. Yeah, I had a microphone in my hand for about seven of those nine minutes yeah. waiting to ask my question. And there was three things I wanted to know, and he'd covered them all. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll ask something now. But one thing which we didn't play there, but I want to talk about it now. There was two game-changing moments in that match. Yeah. First one came when Lucas Milano caught Matixitis and missed an absolute sitter. It was harder to miss than scoring to an open net from two yards out. Yeah. He, had he more somehow th- hit it back in Oosted's hands. That's true. He had more, uh, wherever his angle of shot, it was more. there was more to shoot at the net than Oosted it was to miss. wasn't even in front of the goal. He was the other side of the post. Yeah. And it was like that. That's the like miss of the season. It is. It looked like a FIFA glitch. He should have buried it. Oh, that is superb. Yeah. It would have completely changed the outcome of the match, I think. And it's nice to see that Dan has gone down there as the spy we hoped he would be and infiltrated them and shown them. Spread the virus. This is how you're doing in Vancouver, man. And it it was great. And of course, that Darren ran the ball out a few minutes later, going nowhere. He did did it a number of times. Then he got substituted off, I think, too, at that point. It was nice. He actually was getting booze in the second half. And then he got cheered when he got subbed off. I think that was probably the Portland fans. But then, obviously, that was a massive game-defining moment. Yeah. It could have been 1-1. Another one, which you could argue was just as big or not as big, Kendall Waston. I don't know what was going through his head. It looked at first like he punched Fernando Adi in the stomach. It but like replay a slap showed, or something. Yeah, replay showed it was more a slap. It was open-handed. But, I and it watched that, and I was like... And thing, oh, Kendall, what are you doing? And the thing, it wasn't even in the flow of play. It no. was well after the ball was on. And it was right in front of the, the Portland bench. Portland bench yeah. And Caleb Porter was off like on an earth. And, oh. I'm very surprised that the Portland bench didn't actually, like, because they jumped off the bench yeah. real fast. And they, uh, they, they, there was only a few steps before they got to Watson. Easily, somebody could have bumped into Watson. That they were that close, so it was surprising to see that. Eddie but, went down like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, I mean, he, he went yeah. down. I thought he was unconscious when you saw something from the TV. That, that's why. That's why we thought it was a punch because he went yeah. down like that. But and he, like he's going to have rock solid abs. Yeah, he should. It's like you're not going to go down with a punch like that. He was playing it up. Yeah, but. Watson only got a booking, and you had a really good point to make about that, Steve. Yeah, I I thought that okay, if they saw it, if if they actually saw the foul. Then that should be an automatic red because yep. it was violent conduct. Whether it wasn't, it wasn't to the face, but it was violent conduct because it was a, a, a direct swing at him. And if they didn't see it, then there should be no card at all. So I don't even understand why there's a yellow. It should be no card or a red card. Yeah, and I can't see how they saw it because the referee was blocked by both of them. Yeah, the linesman, linesman was, was blocked. He was by on the Addy. Vancouver bench. Yeah, basically. and the fourth official. There's no way he could have seen that either. He might have seen something, but I don't think maybe he didn't see the full swing. I'm not sure, but he. But it, like I said, it's either red card or no card. Can Disco get him for next season? Yep, they can. Yeah, they can. It's, it was like uh, Sebastian Fernandez started yeah. with that ban, but we'd let him go by then. And who knows, will Kendall be back? Yeah. That in a you second. think he would learn now yeah. about controlling yeah. his emotions and lashing out with it, the last like, game of the season? Especially against Portland as and well. And all the suspensions he's had The, the thing is also, maybe... Now, maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but maybe he noticed that there was like he, it was basically in close quarters. Maybe he realized that nobody could see him do that, and he was trying to get under Addy's skin. It doesn't skin. matter. No, it does, because he got under Addy's skin, and Addy was not the same player after that. He basically, he lost it. He should have got booked when he got tripped up by Aird, when he, yeah. approached, he, he was basically t- right in the referee's face. Yeah. And then he did he get said. a yellow card when he knocked over Waston over the end line. Yeah, but Kendall shouldn't be risking it no matter what. He shouldn't. No, I agree with no. that. Yeah, I mean, if we had lost that game, and he had been sent off, I would have hounded him out of time. Yeah. Yeah, if that had happened, then he, that should have been his last game as a white cap. And I don't know if he's going to learn next year that he can't lash out and lose his control over every little thing. So let's hear a little bit now from Caleb Porter on that, and also the man involved himself, Fernando Addy. So let's just hear what they had to say of that incident. Obviously there's some turning points that, that maybe could have changed the game. Um, you know, at 1-0 we could have walked the ball in the goal, and now we're 1-1. Uh, obviously the decision of the official you know, not to give a red. Um, you know, I'm sure that'll be a retroactive, you know, which would be our fifth or sixth of the year. Um, 
you know, so those are factors in the game. But what was the biggest uh, turning point or disappointing moment? Was the, the you know the miss right in front or um, Watson not getting that clear red card that he you know off your the when you? Uh, I'm very grateful you said a clear red yeah. card because yeah. uh, it was a clear red card and. Uh, you know, referees uh, influenced the game a lot in the MLS, and uh, of course, uh, this game was uh, very much in, uh, influenced by the referee because that decision uh, could have changed the whole situation of the game. But uh, that's uh, something uh, that happens in the game in the MLS is quite unfortunate. But uh, it's going down. It's going down. I'm yelling, Timber, you better move. You better move. You better dance. Giggity. Let's make a night. Yeah, bitch, you you won't dance. remember. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. You won't forget. So Fernando Adi and Caleb Port there talking about the incident with Kendall Waston. And Adi, this could be his last game as a Timber because he apparently wants out of Portland. Which is a surprise to us. We were told by some Timber reporters. Jamie Goldberg. Yeah. And they, she said that the, um, that Adi had asked for a trade earlier in the year and they didn't get it. So it, maybe, yeah, it is something that he's leaving. But one thing which Caleb mentioned there, and it definitely looks like it's going to be, it's going to be a purge in Portland. Yeah. Maybe like the movie, I don't know, just all the Timbers fans are just going to round them all up and just get rid of them one by one. Tie them up to a log, send them down the river. Yeah. But they've played like a giant log for much of the year, so that would be very Especially fitting. on the road, yeah. But they, they definitely look like they're going to have a lot of players on the way out. Yeah, because in, in, in Porter's um, in post-game, he basically he ripped on the wide players. Uh, like you said, Addy might be leaving. So, and, and in the central defense, there's, uh, I think Borchers is gone. Ridgewell. And, and Ridgewell. Will, well, he's staying. I think he's staying, but he's bought down. And then, so the, essentially you have uh, Chara, Nagby, and um, Valeria as their core. Uh, Jewsbury's gone too. Jewsbury's retiring apparently as well. So And there's going to be two new DPs coming in. Yeah, that's what it sounds like if they can and get them in. It looks like they want a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And... Probably a striker. Yeah, so they're, they're going to have quite a bit of turnover too, whether they had gotten to the playoffs or not. And of course, the Whitecaps as well, we're going to be bringing in two DPs. Yeah. And One's already kind of identified, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? but Robo won't, but the won't really tell who he uh, is. But obviously not. It, it looks like it's going to be a new number 10, and it looks like it's going to be a new striker. Yeah. What other areas of the pitch are you looking to see a severe severely strengthen this off-season with view to starters and also, like, depth players? Yeah. I would say defensive midfielder, for sure, and definitely right-back position. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would would go starting right-back, for sure, and holding midfielder. I like Jacobson beside um, Lava, if Lava does stay. Uh, And also, for the backup, I would would say get two, bring in two new right-backs. I think Aird... I like I like him. I would keep him, but I would maybe put him up at the backup right wing position or something like that, and so he can cover full back position and he cover up top. So I think those are the main positions. Central mid uh, central defense I think is going to be needing a little bit of a deciding on what they want to do because they got quite a few players in there. Waston does it's been, somebody been impressed with him at the World Cup qualifying, and does anybody want to buy him? If so, maybe do sell him because he is, like you said earlier, he is kind of losing it. And will he be able to gain that discipline next year? If he goes, then Edgar probably stays. Parker's definitely a keeper. Siler's a keeper. Dean, does he stay because of his injuries or does he want to stay? I don't know. And then uh, obviously Ka's going to be gone. He's already a coach, so he's not going to be playing next year for sure. A lot of question marks for the roster. There's numerous ways the Whitecaps could go center back, right back, defensive midfielder. You mentioned Jacobson. I, I just still don't even know what his best position is. We've seen him in the midfield. We've seen him in defensive midfield. We've even seen him at center back. So yeah, I don't think center back's his natural. No. I think if he plays with a Lava or he back up, backs up Lava yeah. uh, or plays alongside Lava or anybody else like that, I think that would be an ideal position. He's good for a backup, I'd say. Not yeah. an actual, actual starter. No, he's a decent salary too that way. I think the positions that are solid right now are left back, Jordan Harvey, Brett Le- Levi's, who made his debut today. Yeah. I thought he played really well too. And then uh, uh, the, I think the wing positions are pretty good as long as Kakuda comes to full strength. You got Bolaños on the right side if he comes back. Uh, everything is if he comes back. Um, and then you got uh, Davies backing up Mane. And then you got if Aaron moves up to right wing, 
he backs up Bolaños. So I think wing, left back, ha- no need to change anything. Everything else needs tinkering or and goalkeeping. I think goalkeeping they got locked down. I think they gotta. I think they gotta figure out what is Elstead this year's Elstead or is it the last year's Elstead? Which one is the one that's going to show up next year? I think they need to play Elstead less games so they don't run him into the ground. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. They've broken his streak now. 117 MLS games, including the playoff games. Elstead was a starter. Paolo Tanagi got the start in San Jose. So now you've broken that. So you you don't feel... Obligated to keep yeah, him. Yeah, like, oh, I want to rest him this week. I want to give Spencer Ritchie, which is hopefully the guy that's going to get the contract the chance. Um, I mean, for for me, right backs, as you've said, is is clearly the the other big big area. But I know that Robbo really wants somebody to play alongside Matthias Lava, yeah, a guy that can get up and down. But you also want somebody that can score as well. Those are kind of guys that, if Portland might spend DP money on that, are the White Cats going to get the effective kind of guy they want for for cheaper? Yeah. And that's the tough thing. Now, I've railed a lot online. If you've read my Keep Trade release thing on AFTN this past week, Russell Tiber, I want rid of him. Yeah. Uh, he needs to to leave the Whitecaps because he's a squad player, yeah. He's versatile, yeah. He's a guy that you can rely on to bring on, yeah. He's on 182000 Yes, it's a homegrown contract. It's not counting towards the cap. He is not worth that money. You are throwing that money away. You've got a young guy like Ben McKendry whose pathway is blocked. He's, ben McKendry was blocked this year by Pedro Morales as well. Yeah. The, the, that, that, Russell barely Russell got blocked by Pedro Morales. Yeah. And he couldn't get on the pitch. And then when he got on the pitch, he got injured very quickly. And he was basically done for the year. But the, the guy that you're needing beside Laba is the guy that can get up and down the up pitch. Up and down. So and Laba doesn't need to do it. Yeah, and yeah. show the offensive thing. So that's yeah. why Laba was bad this year. Yeah, I think so. He was trying to go forward too much. And he won't try it back. We've talked about this so many times. That annoys the hell out of me. He saunters back. He's like, la, 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 la. And you saw in the goal that he gave up, when Alonso, of all folks, scored for Seattle... He was just like, oh, just slowly saunter back here and then bang, go. Everything went to pop, playoffs yeah. over. So Tybert is not a guy that has any offensive thing, so he needs to go. Yeah. And you need to have your young, versatile you, bench guy I, as Ben McKenna. I, I think you have to, the choice is going to be Jacobson and Tybert, and I think you have to go with Jacobson at this point. You don't need Tybert for the Canadian quota anymore. It might be a good thing for Tybert to leave and maybe find another team where he could do something with his career. Um, and maybe he can resurrect something, but uh, I, I think his time is done here. I, I, I'm going to be, I'll be putting out a piece as well about who we're keeping and who we're, we're letting go. And I have him like right now on the bubble because I'm not sure how, because the team has said in the past he's a future captain. So mm. has he dropped that down in, in in the year where he's barely played and, and been injured for most of the year? Well, once Niagara Falls Rovers are in the, the Canadian Premier League, he can move back home. Car, your thoughts on Russell? Yeah, I kind of tend to agree. He doesn't really bring that much to the pitch. I mean, he's good for multiple positions, but is is he a top defensive starter? No. Is he a top creator in terms of offense? No. So he's a squad player, a depth player for those Canada Cup games and perhaps Champions League games, but he's not like a go-to guy that's going to make a huge difference out there. And when he does play, he tends to get injured. So... It'll, it's tough, but I guess you could say goodbye to Russell. No, I, I I like I like there has been moments like he really gets under the skin of Robbie Keane, which is fun. Yeah, but and and the other some other strikers where he's like really like uh, pestered and everything. But the problem is, is that like you said, Laba is supposed to be doing that role, and then behind him you got Jacobson or Tybert, and you got to figure out which one you want to keep. So the White Whitecaps finishing the season on a high. And, and we ran a poll on Twitter, so Steve will give us the results of that. Yeah, I asked everybody uh, their thoughts on the, the win tonight and the, the, to end the season. Who do, you, who do you guys think won the poll out of the, the four? Well, do you think it was negative or positive? Negative. Um, negative. Because it's Whitecaps fans on my Twitter feed. Okay, so number one was that they, uh, they were upset and asking where was that all year. Second place went to Joy for winning the cup. Um, and then the third place was glad to eliminate the Timbers, and then five percent was about meh. Still, make, they make the playoffs. Um, but the but the thing is, if you look overall, the two positive ones 
did garner 57% of the overall vote. So supporters were 57, 43, positive to negative. Well, it's coming off a big win today, so that's yeah. probably yeah. why. Yeah. So if we, if we look at the season, and this is something which I, I asked Robo in the post-game press conference, it's really weird. It, he's been in charge for three seasons. He made the playoffs the first two seasons. He hasn't made the playoffs in year three. Yeah. Those first two seasons ended on a really bad low point. The controversial loss in Dallas yeah. with a handball in Kendall Waston. The pitiful no, performance against no Portland last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, they didn't turn up for that. Lost 2-0. Beat at home by a local rivals who then go on and win the MLS Cup. So those two seasons, strangely, the fans went home gutted. This season, no MLS postseason, but you finish with the number one ranking in the CONCACAF Champions League. Which still surprises me how that happened. I know. <laughs> you, you've got a quarterfinal coming up after winning your group, four wins out of four, yeah. against an MLS team that you can, you can most definitely beat. You've won the Cascadia Cup for a record-breaking sixth time with a fantastic performance in front of your own fans. Which I didn't see coming either. No. And you've knocked your rivals out of the playoffs, yeah. ending the, the reign of the MLS Cup champs. Mm. I mean, you've ended the season on a high, even though you haven't made the playoffs. It's, fans are going home happy with a spring in their step, as we said at the start. It's just a really weird scenario. That's the strange thing with MLS. It's like so many teams can actually go away home happy with the with certain trophies and stuff like that. Um, I I I think that I think they have a because if it was any other team like a Colorado or anything like that, I don't think it would have been the same. Even a four one win, I think the it would have been a lot more negative. Um, I think because it's Portland, that's why that's where it turned a little bit more positive this in, in today for Portland as well. What a difference a year makes. Mm -hmm. 12 months ago, they were beating Colorado Rapids 4-1 to get into the playoffs, and then they went on and won the MLS Cup. 12 months later, they're getting beat 4-1. They're out of the postseason. And if anyone had told me when you saw the fixtures that by the end of today's game between Vancouver and Portland, neither of those teams would be in the playoffs. It would be a shocker. I would have thought they were crazy. Yeah. It just goes to show the parody in MLS. You're never as good as you think you are, yep. and you're never as bad as you think you are. Yeah, I mean, look, look at, at Montreal and Colorado. They completely turned it around this season, and that gives hope to teams like Vancouver that with a bit of tinkering in the offseason, they could too be back at the top of the table next And you mean season. like a team like RSL, who everybody, I think a lot of people had pegged for the bottom of the whole table, um, even below Houston. And they're in the playoffs, just well, barely, but they're in the playoffs. Seattle, who at the, at, I think, oh, they fired, they, fired they were last at some point yeah. in the season. And they're in the playoffs, which came out of nowhere. But, but I then, mean, well, they appointed that geography teacher. Yeah. And he seemed to be able to find on the map where they had to go. Yeah, and they, but they signed that, uh, that one player that really made the difference. Lodero. Nicholas Lodero. And, and, and after that, I, that I, did we not get him? We signed Latin Americans. I don't know. We're saying the wrong ones, apparently. But, I mean, for all MLS's faults, and there's a lot of them, don't even start me on disco and all the weird rules, but we'll save that for the the off-season pods. The good thing about it is, as you say, you can go from last to first with a little bit of tinkering and money spent. So at least it keeps interest. I mean... Barring Leicester's miraculous thing in the Premiership, you're not going to see a team like Sunderland, who's always at the bottom, suddenly becoming contenders. So at least MLS does have that. Just to finish this up, let's just throw this around to both of you. We talked about what the Whitecaps have achieved, what they haven't. They also lost the Voyagers Cup in heartbreaking fashion. How do you see the Whitecaps' season? Mass disappointment? Some positives. What would you say, Har? I would say disappointment in a subpar season because expectations were so high. You have a lot of players who are entering or in the prime 
of this, of their careers. Lots of young, talented players from South and Central America. So you thought, you know, with a good coaching system, an upbeat team, that they were going to work hard and really improve on last season. So I would say it's a disappointment in that regard. But you do see positives with the Cascadia Cup a win mm-hmm. and finishing first in the, um, the Champions League table. So there's a good positive in that regard. But I say it's definitely a disappointment because there's so many statistical categories that they uh, failed to uh, achieve in. And, you know, that's why they play to win the game. They play for the MLS. Those cup things are gravy. So I'd say it's a disappointment. Yeah, uh, it's it's a muddled season for me. It's like the way they lost games um, that they should have won. Um, I think Robbo said they needed two more wins. I think they actually needed at least three more yeah, wins or something like that. they needed two wins and a point. They were seven yeah. points off. Yeah, so, but, but the thing is, there were so many games in this season. And we'll probably do this, like, like you said, in the off-season podcast. We'll see so many games going over the season where they should have won those games, especially at home. They dropped so many points at home. It was unbelievable. The Voyagers Cup, losing it the way they lost it was just horrendous. Um, and then, and the, the team was never the same after that. No. That's when all the the trouble started. Well, the last I, year I the, after they Christian, won the uh, cup, they were never the yeah. same team as I well. I spoke to Christian Bolanius, yeah. which are, we've, I've done a few interviews, which I've banked for the the off season really. Um, so you'll find those in all the different places and in the podcast as well. But Bolanius pinpointed that game as the start of where it all went wrong. Yeah. And yeah, he said the same thing to me the other day. The, the momentum of it is basically where it all went downhill. Yeah, and so and and so like I said, it was just a muddled season. They, like they've ended the year, like you said, the 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 Concacaf number one. And a lot of lot of uh, squad players worked at that too. Some players that disappointed in the MLS season really rose up in the Concacaf. <laughs> Teixeira. Yeah, Teixeira was one especially. Um, and then uh, and so so that that will kind of really made it more confusing because where are those players when they play in the MLS? They're, they're playing against MLS players like against sporting and everything. So a really confusing season and but ended up on a high note. I think they, I, I just don't want them to use this last game as a reason not to make changes. And I don't think they will. Well, no, but no, I, 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 mean, I, I think you, you they... didn't hear Robo's conference because... I was in Portland, away, yeah. yeah. You weren't in Portland. No, I was at the Portland dressing <laughs> room. Um, but he basically knows it's not papering over the cracks. He's mad at it. And he, he basically said, look, one game out of a 34-game season means nothing. Yeah. So there will be changes coming. If the Caps had won the Voyagers Cup and done everything else that they've achieved, Cascadia Cup, Champions League, I would have said it was a good season. I'd have been fine. They didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Do you know, it's not the end yeah. of the world because they've been won and done. No, it was two games last year, but it was one tie and done. And when you're one and done, it kind of makes the whole season seem pointless because you've gone 34 weeks and then you play a game or two like a tie, you lose it and you're out. So it's like, what was the point of playing for the last eight, nine months? At least if they'd got the Voyagers Cup, you'd have thought, yeah, it was a really good thing. So it's a middling season, definitely positives from it, but... They just need to, oh, cut, they yeah. need to cut the fat. Although you're high on what happened today... Give me a week or so, and I'm gonna just look back and think, yeah, yeah. If they big, cut, big disappointment. If they cut the fat at the top of the pay scale and bring in I some no better players, no way to talk players. about Bobby Leonard Doozy. Oh, sorry. Bobby. I thought you were talking I'm about not chicken. Bobby Leonard No, if they cut the fat, then I think they can they can turn around next year and bring in a couple of players as long as those players buy in yeah. and they're told they're playing on Astro turf or <laughs> and not like turf. Yeah, like Barry Robson was. Yeah. So as long as they're informed of how it works and give them all the information. Those guys come in running and ready to play. I think it could be a good season next year. But do they have the right amount of Canadian tire money to bring in those quality yeah. players? Yeah, that's the question. It's they need some gam, some cam, spend, spend wisely. Some cam, some tam, some gam. Especially if you're not spending a lot, you can't afford to mess that up. No, yeah. you have to hit on. So last thing for you before we wrap up, just very briefly, we all know Rob was coming back. That was made very clear in August. There was never any doubt about his future. It's next year, though, the make-or-break season for him. If he misses the playoffs again next year, is that him gone? Yeah, I think so. And I think he might even resign. He won't even wait to get fired. I think he, I think he knows that. He's, he's a proud person. He's, he, if he doesn't feel he can do the job, he'll leave. 
Yeah, I have to agree. If, if they don't trade it around or if they don't make the playoffs, I think Robbo's definitely out the door. And I even think if they don't get off to a good start in March, April, and May, he could be resigning or he could be gone and maybe off to the England League that starts in August. So it's something to look for that they got to turn around yeah. right, right away. I, I agree that if he has a bad start to the season, it could be a Ziggy kind of situation. Where they let him go in the summer. The question is, uh, how many um, years is it next year? Is I think last next year? year is probably his last. No one ever talks about. Yeah, this thing, that's so. the thing. That's probably because I don't know how much the Whitecaps want to fire somebody who has multiple years left. Oh, they won't. Yeah, yeah. Cause, so that's what I'm saying. If it's just the the one year, I could definitely see that happening yeah. where they um, they fire him in the mid year. Well, definitely a lot of positives from this season. We're going to have a, a slew of off season podcasts coming up. We're also going to have our announcement that we've been teasing. I'll give you a little bit of a bigger tease just now. The podcast, as you listen to it just now, will still be here. But we will also be in somewhere else as well, where more people can listen to us. Anyway, on that note, we are all away to go for pizza, Fire Pizza and Commercial Drive. They're not sponsors of us, but if they would like to and give us free pizza, we would love that. (laughs) But just before we go, Har, let everyone know where they can find you online and anything that you've got coming up in the, the next week or so. You can find my Whitecaps coverage at Red Nation Online. And you can find all of my women's soccer coverage at Equalizer Soccer. And you can find my UBC women's hockey coverage at my own personal website, harjournalistwordpress.com. And you can always tweet me at harjournalist and maybe I will reply. So, Steve, where can we find you online, and have you got anything coming up? You can find me on Whitecaps Beat on Twitter, and I will be doing an in uh, who I think will stay, who I think will go, and who I think is on the bubble. You should really have called it In Out, Shake It All About. But, yeah, good. Um, I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff online, away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Most of the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and Goal.com. So we'll have a lot of off-season stuff on both those sites. And the Western Conference reporter for USLsoccer.com. But there shouldn't really be too much in that until next season. Got a lot of things coming up uh, in the next while. We've got a few interviews banked. We've spoken to Chris and Berlanius, Fraser Ayer, David Edgar. A few other guys that we're going to get at the end of season availability as well. So watch for those on MLS, on AFTN, on Goal. And we'll have the unabridged versions of the the chats on the podcast as well but until next time as always thanks for listening take care and it's always a good day when you beat the timbers but when you knock them out of the playoffs and lift the cascadia cup at the same time that's just one of the best damn days of the year until next time thanks for listening everyone and mon the caps Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.